0: Welcome to The Entrepreneurial Lawyer, How to Grow Your Law Firm, a podcast for managing and growing your legal practice. Lexicon CEO Dan Cuneo and Director of Legal Operations and Training Sarah Rutan Bates discuss how to make your law practice profitable in the modern legal industry. Hello and welcome to this episode of The Entrepreneurial Lawyer. I I am Dan Cuneo, your host, along with my fabulous, wonderful, Interesting.
1: Interesting.
0: Co-host, Sarah Rutan-Bates. You
1: know when people use that word, it it normally doesn't mean a good thing.
0: Oh, it's a great thing. You have so much to say.
1: (laughs) Again, I am convinced you will be calling me saying, Sarah, I'm going to need you to do X, Y, and Z by end of day, <laughs> following following this recording. i um, excited to be here.
0: Yes, we have an awesome guest with us, don't we?
1: I- I'm going to tell you, before you introduce this individual, I've been thinking about it for weeks. I knew that I had to come to this episode um, with my A-game high energy. Um, This individual is somebody that I have seen present a couple of times now. And every time I walk away from one of her presentations, I I mean, I just feel empowered and liberated. So uh, to your point, wonderful, amazing, probably are not the right words, but I am incredibly excited for who we are speaking with today.
0: Each of our podcast gets better and better. And it's going to be hard to top this one with Maya Bordeaux that is here with us. Yes,
1: Maya, you like to say, like the fine wine. Like the fine wine. Yes. Thank
2: you. Thank you so much, Sarah, for that incredibly warm welcome. Dan, you did a great job introducing Sarah, too.
0: Loved oh, that. Yeah, she, <laughs> she she wrote the script for me. I was just reading off a piece of paper. Yes. <laughs> I like
2: to come up with great words to explain me.
1: Um, So Maya has her own consulting company, Lead With Love Consulting. But what's really fascinating about you, Maya, is, and we are going to hand it over to you to talk about what you do, but um, her HR background and a licensed attorney. Is that correct? That's correct. Oh, tell us all about you.
2: Okay. So I am a Chicago native, and I have been... um, primarily in the Chicagoland area, practicing HR for almost 25 years. So I started when I was five. (laughs) And and, um, I have had the fortune of working with uh, so many different types of companies, um, industries, uh, profit, nonprofit, small, large, and um, literally all over the world between the HR roles that I've held and the clients that I have had the fortune of um, having an engagement with. In addition to that, I practiced for a year in employment law. I um, did that about 20 about twenty years ago. And, um, and I didn't love it. I didn't love um, being in a, a law firm setting. You know, everything isn't for everybody. And so um, my passion was really... Uh, working with people directly and um, influencing the employee experience. And so I went back into HR, but now I had a license uh, um, to practice law. I had an MBA with a specialization in human resources. So it really accelerated my career. And I have been able to attain some really great roles and make some significant impact in some very reputable brands. So I I feel very fortunate and I'm tired, but I love what I do. I love what I do. And thank you so much, Sarah, for saying that you feel empowered or or inspired when, um, when you hear me speak, because I have always joked that inspiring the best version of yourself is my superpower. Um, And my desire is always to make people um, feel that they have left any talk with me, they've left any job where they worked with me in a better place and as a better version of themselves. So, so happy to be here with you today to talk culture. I am currently a chief people and culture officer So I'm all about culture and and creating the best experience for your
0: employees. Wow, that's amazing. And there's just so much to talk about and Tackle. And I have so much going through my mind. I'm like, okay, I wish I had a superpower. I was interviewed by our production team last year and they asked me, what one superpower would you want? It's where you could put your fingers together and pause time. Uh, out of this world, I think it is, right? I wish I could do that now so we could just continue having this discussion. We weren't really limited with time.
1: I'm over here thinking I need to do more with my life. <laughs> <laughs> um, your, your accomplishments, my gosh.
2: <laughs> oh, that is so funny. Well, I, I didn't mention that I'm also a SPIT instructor.
0: <laughs> uh, oh, see? my God. Of course you are.
1: <laughs> see? Of um, course I am. <laughs> Dan, Dan, aren't you a runner? <laughs>
0: I, I am, but I don't want to be judged by Maya. I have a feeling that we're in two different Oh, no, no,
2: no. I'm leads. a runner, too, but I'm a slow runner. I started very late. So your, I am probably- Your slow make-
0: is my, um,
2: his normal, my is his sprint. Normal <laughs> I, I doubt
0: it. I doubt it. That's so funny. Let me ask you this question. Let's just kick it off. And I know that you're going to have so much to say about it. Uh, what do you think are the current challenges with culture in law firms today? And this era that we're in.
2: At the at the core of culture and measuring culture or describing culture, uh, it's all about how the employees feel and, um, and and how they feel about the work that they do and the colleagues that they do that work with. And so the most successful law firms, the most successful companies, no matter the industry, are always companies that have employees who are very connected to the mission and the goals of that organization, of that firm, and they understand their role in accomplishing those goals. And they have a personal sense of ownership in making sure that the business is successful. And so when you don't have employees who feel that way, you have low performance, you have low productivity, you have a lack of collaboration, a breakdown of communication. And so how you focus on cultivating the strongest and uh, most high performing culture is making sure that your people are connected to the overall goals and mission of the organization and that they actually enjoy what they're doing and that they feel respected. With regards to the people who they're doing it with,
0: that is a phenomenal point, and I wrote it down because we uh, helped a, a firm with their mission statement. It really was a complete 180 from what it was before. Yeah, and they are more employee focused than client focused, and and what I mean by that is they're not ignoring their clients, but they realize and accept it that we we need to do a better job to acknowledge our employees, which in turn will help with not just productivity, but better quality of work for our clients, which would be better service.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Absolutely.
1: You know, I I had um, a, a crazy thought maybe, and this may seem like I'm taking 10 steps backwards, but I find quite often that when I am speaking with leaders of organizations or even team members, and I ask them, you know, tell me what culture is to you or what that means, a lot of people don't exactly know. So, Maya, from your standpoint, I mean, how do you actually define what culture is? What does that mean in an organization? So,
2: that's a great question. And honestly, Sarah, it depends on the audience. When I am trying to, get to the basics, to the, you know, just strip it all the way down to the absolute basics for people to understand what is culture. I say it is the DNA of an organization, the DNA of the firm, the DNA of the, of the company. It is how you survive, thrive, operate It is described, obviously, differently based on what that company is and and how these um, employees work together. But it's all about what is the experience of the day-to-day working for this firm, working for this company. How do you describe how it feels to come to work? How do you feel about your coworkers? Do you feel a sense of belonging? Do you feel respect? Do you feel that there is trust? And um, these important virtues um, make up any successful organization. And without those things, you know, it's typically a very toxic environment. When people say, "Whoa, what does culture actually mean? It means this is the DNA or the environment of a company and how it feels to everybody who makes up that company.
0: That, to me, is probably the best blueprint for a mission statement.
2: Oh, well, thanks.
0: (laughs) (laughs) How do you get the employees to not only just buy into the mission statement, but to connect with the mission statement?
2: when organizations are crafting or redesigning a mission statement a best practice is to actually engage them in crafting it so obviously you can't reach out to every employee and you know wordsmith a statement for 2 years but if you take a focus group that is representative of the employee population and engage them in writing the mission statement, that is absolutely a best practice. If you have a mission statement that is already set, it's incredibly important that when you're hiring, that candidates know what that mission statement is, that they um, connect with it or it resonates for them or they are inspired by it. If they aren't, don't hire them. We could talk forever about whether people are honest in interview processes, but um, you just got to use your um, your uh, good common sense and your gut instinct about choosing talent. And if they're being truthful about, they understand the business that you do, they connect with the mission, and why do they connect with the mission? How? How does this resonate with you? Why does it connect with you? And asking those very probing questions are far more powerful in deciding new talent than, you know, give me an example of a time where you, you know, work through a dispute with a customer. Because the people who connect to your mission are your people who are going to be loyal, your people who are going to um, strive for high performance. And so um, in the hiring process, I think you absolutely need to be using mission statement. And then some organizations actually um, do some type of assessment in the performance management process around uh, behavior expectations related to the mission. And are you behaving in a way throughout the performance year that is consistent with our mission and that they're actually rated on that? And sometimes it's tied to, to goals and incentive pay. And so, you know, it it really has to do with the leadership team, the executive team, and their decision about how important is this mission and how connected do you want your um, employees to be to the mission. But my advice to any um, client has always been you always want an employee population that embody um, and connect with the mission. If they don't, They don't need to be a part of the organization.
0: So that mission statement need to be front and center on the website? Yes.
1: Um, I'd just like to point out that, um, Dan, I am an employee that connects with our mission. I am a high performer and performance reviews are coming up. So please remember all of those things as we go into that I'm conversation. I'm having trouble with my
0: headphones here. I can't hear uh-huh. anything.
1: Um, <laughs> no, you know, what? I see
0: lips moving. Yeah,
1: yeah. It's okay. I'll send you an email.
0: No big Wait, deal. I, I, I'm not good at technology.
1: Maybe we could post it on the website. <laughs> Maya, in, in giving that detailed explanation there, just popped in my head. What if we break this down? So Maya, you said you could potentially have a toxic culture. Right. And then my mind went to a lot of people don't have a culture. And then what if you do have a good culture? How do you maintain it? So what if we dissect those? What do individuals do or organizations do, Maya, if they don't have a culture at all? How do they start defining what that looks like?
2: You know, Sarah, I am not of of the belief that there's such thing that there is no culture at all. Okay, fair. And, and I know that there's research on this, um, but I am not from the school of experience or research that an organization has no culture. When you bring together a group of people to do anything, and in this instance, to work, you have a conglomeration of experiences, of backgrounds, of personalities, of work styles, There is absolutely no way that you can't describe what that experience is like. So so there's always going to be a way to describe what that experience is like. What companies are striving to do is that their, their culture, their experience has one description. That every employee who comes through the door has the same positive experience with their colleagues. Uh, without regards to your level or your background or your race or your gender, there is one positive experience for all employees. I don't think that there's a, such a thing as no culture. There's absolutely a such such a thing as bad cultures or tax, toxic cultures. And what happens in those instances is these this body of people that come together, they are not working collaboratively. They don't have a trusting environment. They are not engaged. They do not um, have a uh, unanimous connection to the mission. And then for organizations who have a good or strong culture and how do they maintain that? It is most important that you're staying connected and that you are constantly communicating. That um, transparent leadership, is a powerful way to keep people connected you should always be transparent about what is going on with the business not only when things are going well but when things aren't going well and um, people appreciate that and they feel respected and they feel like it's a trusting environment and then communication and connectivity you have to stay engaged you have to stay connected And in our current environment, um, so many employees, so many companies have struggled with this, staying connected. There's so many companies that have moved moved to a remote work environment. And so uh, they struggle with engagement and connectivity because they don't have that in-person live contact on a regular basis the way they have in the past. You just got to be creative on how you stay connected, how you are constantly communicating, even if you can't physically be together.
0: You know, law firms are probably the biggest, uh, I don't know if I want to say offender, but definitely uh, their last to really adapt to environments and putting the legal tech aside with this whole hybrid environment that we're in. What is your advice to firms that are struggling to keep their employees engaged in this new era?
2: You know, again, the the communication and the connectivity. You have to have regular communication, regular uh, touch points. If you don't have standing meetings, then you schedule them, Um, even if it's just to touch base and see how somebody's doing. All meetings don't have to be about business. So, so I say, you know, it goes a long way when you're just doing a check-in to see how someone is doing. Based on this current business environment, there has been a significant um, shift in the focus on employee wellness and well-being and caring more about your people and that they are well. It's really important that companies, that leaders, that managers are expressing their concern and their care for their employees. That goes a long, long way for people to believe that your manager cares about your well-being. That's that's a good point. That's a
0: very good point and, and well said. We are running out of time on our episode here, but we're going to continue this on a, on a future episode. Uh, so I appreciate your insight and in, and guiding us through some of these difficult questions, but this interesting era that we're in, and I look forward to picking this back up in another episode to where we can continue to dive into and, and essentially Saren and I just fire questions at you to see how many you can answer. I
1: I have a whole piece of paper (laughs) with things that I have jotted down for the next
2: time we talk. I'm I'm excited.
0: I'm very excited.
2: Trust me. I I could talk for days. So you all, you call me anytime. It was my, my pleasure. Thank you so much for the opportunity.
0: Well, be careful what you say because, <laughs> or wish for, right? <laughs> because I will take you up on that. Uh, again, Maya, thank you so much for your time. Sarah, what a great episode. I'm looking forward to the next one. Do you feel just
1: empowered and liberated
0: <laughs> I do to
1: make changes to culture and just just connect with people? Yes. He does. He is smiling so big right now.
0: (laughs) Thank you, everyone, for for listening. Please take a, a minute to send this episode to your family, your friends, your colleagues. Go on and like us and subscribe, and hopefully we have continued to provide valuable information. We look forward to our next episode. Thank you for listening to The Entrepreneurial Lawyer, How to Grow Your Law Firm, presented by Lexicon. Lexicon is a legal software and services provider that enables lawyers to do what they do best, practice law. Tune in next time with our hosts and be sure to subscribe and leave your review on your preferred podcast streaming platform or by visiting lexiconservices.com.